Hello and welcome to episode 89 of Command Space on 5x5. My name is Mike Hurley. Today I am joined by the one, the only, my friend, Mr. Casey Liss. Hi, Casey. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Casey Liss. Before mm-hmm. I ask you the, the, the important question, do you have a middle name, Casey? I do. What is it? I don't want to tell you. Tell me. That you're going to really enjoy it. That's why, now that's why I want to know. It's, my middle name happens to be Michael. Good work. Casey Michael Liss, what do you like to be known for? I like to be known for being an all right guy. Uh, no, I like to be known for uh, being one third of the Accidental Tech Podcast, being one third of Neutral, and being a corporate stooge and generally decent developer during the day. Now, Casey, I've had you on this show before. You've been a yes, guest. Sir. You've been a guest on on Command Space in the past. So, if people want to get the interview with Casey Liss, then they can go and do that. Right? There is already an episode that exists, um, which they can go and listen. And I'm finding I'm googling right now. It's episode number sixty one, being your own person with Casey Liss, which was in September. Wow, that's in September. That's a long time ago. That's yeah, six months. That will be on the show notes for this week's episodes, which you'll find at 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 89. So today we wanted to try and do something a little bit different. It's going to be a different type of show um, than, than I usually have. It, we're going to, it's going to be less of an interview and more of a discussion. And the reason that, that we come to this is, at least I see it this way, and, and I believe that you do, which is, I think, why, why me and you have become close friends, is that we're both at a similar-ish point in our lives when it comes to how we approach work on the internet um in the part in the past recent months and or years we have found a modicum of success and fame in the things that we do uh, people you know we there are people in the world now that know who we are that well you not me nobody knows who the hell i am you have more twitter followers than me so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so me and Casey are basically going to spend the next 45 minutes or so um, opening up our hearts a little bit to uh, people and having a conversation. And this could this could go one of two ways. This could be an absolute um, incredible success or it could be an embarrassing, horrible failure. We're not sure, but we wanted to try it out. So basically what we want to talk about is about how opportunity can occur um, how being in the right place at the right time, but also with the a sprinkling of hard work and individual talents can mean that you can turn something that you love personally into something that other people love you for. Now, Casey, when it comes to right place, right time for you, I mean, you've you've mentioned previously that you're that there is a certain person in the world that you have known for a period of time that helped you gain some fame on the internet. Is that correct? Yes. And what is that? Who is that? That person, well, it probably is my wife who's put up with all of this, but the person you're really referring to is uh, Marco Arment, who I have known for, geez, quite a long time now. I don't recall exactly when we met, but it was roundabouts of 20 years ago um, when we were you know, 10, 12 years old. And I've known Marco for a long time, and it was because of me knowing Marco that I was able to somehow weasel my way into having a podcast with Marco and our mutual friend, John Syracuse. So this is something that me and you have spoken about already, but it's interesting to me 
in that regard. Like, so you have a friend that you've had for many, many years in Marco Armand, who, you know, you were friends with him before he was a, a media mogul. <laughs> yes, indeed. Before he sold everything. Yeah. Before he was, became a massive sellout. Um, and you are friends, and I don't believe you've been friends with John Syracuse for as long. Um, no, not as long. How did you How did you come to meet John? Was that through Marco? Yeah, uh, it was my first WWDC, which was WWDC in 2011. And in case you don't know what that is, it's the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference, which goes on in San Francisco every June. And I've gone the last three years and hope to be able to go again this year. But it was my first WWDC in 2011. I think it was Marco's second, maybe third. And we were in line. And I don't recall if John came up to us or Marco found John. But they knew each other because at the time they were both uh, on 5 by 5 with John's extraordinarily successful podcast, Hypercritical, which is probably the best podcast of all time. Except this and one. Except this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you could almost say, I, I would add, that it's – the world's greatest podcast ever. But anyway, uh, (laughs) the point is uh, Marco had known John through the internet but had never met him in person. And I was with Marco just, you know, we were keeping each other company in line uh, before the keynote, which is every Monday morning at WWDC. That's the one where Steve Jobs used to come out and so on and so forth. And so, Somehow or another, we we found each other in line, uh, or Marco and John, I should say, found each other in line. And so I kind of befriended John as best as one could while still being starstruck. And the three of us, uh, John and I specifically, had kind of kept up ever since. And so when it came time for Marco and I to do neutral, it as I discussed in the last command space, you know, John had just coincidentally ended hypercritical. And I believe it was Marco that said to me, hey, you know, we should get John roped into this. I bet he would enjoy this too. And I was either smart enough or, I don't know, I guess I was smart enough not to say no. (laughs) So that ended up becoming neutral. Neutral turned into ATP. So when you look back, um, so if you you take ATP as as the success point, right, if you take ATP as the thing that has rocketed you into internet superstardom. (laughs) I don't know if I'd describe it that way, but I'm with I do. Uh, You would probably point, plot these two as sort of major pivotal points that occurred in allowing this thing to happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. So coincidentally, we're recording this on a uh, Wednesday on on March 26th. And uh, this Friday uh, in the morning, I'm going to be speaking at CocoConf in Washington, D.C. And I've spoken at a local uh, .NET user group thing uh, before. And I've spoken when I was in college in front of big, large crowds, but I've never done it since then. And and the reason I bring this up is because the point of my talk or the talk that, that I'm going to be giving is about how really, really small decisions that you make many, many, many years ago or perhaps that you make now can have a truly profound effect on either today or the future. So as an example... Um, when Marco and I met and we ended up hanging out, me not fluffing him off and conversely him not fluffing me off as some random kid, that ended up being profound, profoundly changing my life. Additionally, when I was able to befriend John Syracuse and, and you know, when we found a mutual like and respect for each other, that obviously had a very, very profound difference on my life. And so there are, there are very obvious inflection points and some not so obvious inflection points. And so very much like this show, 
I figure my talk will be kind of about the inflection points in my life and, and how these very small decisions have made a really big impact. And it's supposed to be inspiring, you know, hey, you guys showing up to CocoConf, be it if you're seasoned professionals or brand new at this, this could be that inflection point. This could be that moment. Because look at how these little moments in my life changed my life so much. So it'll either come out really, really well and profound and deep, or it'll be an hour-long humble brag and everyone will hate me. Will you allow me to share a couple of my moments with you? I would love to hear it. Listening to you say that um, makes me think of a couple of things that happened in my life. So on April the 10th, I would be. I will have been podcasting for four years. Um, so th- this time four years ago was when a conversation uh, had had occurred with my best friend, uh, Mr. Terry Lucy. We used to do a, a podcast together many many years ago, which was the first show that I did. It was called the Bro Show, and uh, it was an interview show that and Command Space. It became an interview show, and then Command Space kind of grew out of that show like a phoenix from the flames or something, you know? Um, <laughs> now, the, the reason that we had this telephone call is it was a rainy day in London, naturally. Um, I was about to say. And I was, I couldn't walk. I, I can't remember where I was, but I would have had to walk from a train station because the rain was so bad I waited for a bus. Because I waited for a bus, I called my friend Terry. We were talking about Apple as we want to do at the time, and we decided that maybe we should turn this into a podcast. So that kind of was the start point. Um, without that rain, it may never have happened. But then again, as you say, I live in a place where where the rain could have happened at literally any moment. Um, so there's one other point that I consider to be important too. I have a friend, uh, Patrick Roan, um, and he uh, runs a site called Minimal Mac. And he's a friend now, but before I was just a reader of his website. Um, which focused a lot about Apple and like um, productivity and stuff like that. And um, this was, we, we'd recorded like 10 or 15 episodes of, of our podcast, my friend and, and myself. And we, and he put out like a, a call on Twitter, like, oh, is there any cool things at the moment that I'm, that I should check out? And I sent him via Twitter a link to the show, not sort of telling him that I had anything to do with it. I just sent him a link to it. It went into a document that he was collecting. He checked it out, enjoyed it, linked to it himself a couple of days later, not piecing the things together. Um, And then we invited him onto the show. Uh, We became friends. And it was that point that started me on the progression that I am now because Pat has lots of friends, um, people like Sean Block and... Stephen Hackett and like people like that, you know, they were all sort of friends at the time, and I was like an outsider looking in on that. But he gave me the ability, like, to to speak to that audience of people. Um, and then me and Patrick had a show together for, that we we had for many years, um, and it kind of just built out from there. So it was that having kind of the guts to do that, like, to be a bit cheeky to do something, you know, I, I just took a chance and sent him a link to the show that actually helped me well it definitely started me on the path to where i am now so they're kind of two right, two right. sort of really key th- things that i point out which were they were quite close together um but they they were definitely pivotal in my podcasting career um getting its legs and, and it's kind of taken off well and the interesting thing about it is 
you probably viewed uh, Patrick Rowan the same way I view him, in that there, he's a bit of a celebrity within this little bubble in which we live. And I can't imagine having the gumption to be that guy, that random internet guy that's like, hey, bud, you should check out my show. And I know that you didn't pitch it as your own show, but nevertheless, it's even still just a thing. linking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Even just having the bravery to link someone you have so much respect for to something that you've created, that takes that takes a lot of bravery. And and it's it's something I don't know that I would have been brave enough to do. Um and, and I respect the I respect the hell out of that. Now, before you had linked him to the to the bro show, did had you guys gotten any traction really? Or was it just like you and your family? It was it was like me and a couple of my friends that listened and it kind of picked up. We maybe had like 50 listeners. Which yeah. is exactly what I would expect. Like if I were to just branch out and do my own podcast, maybe today I might get some listeners, but you know, back back up 2 years ago or you know before Neutral and nobody would have listened to that show. Yeah, not I, not a soul. I don't even know how we got the 50 that we got, you know. Exactly. And especially if you're not Right. If you're not associated with like a five by five or a twit or whatever the case may be, it's really hard to find an audience. The only way you can really get away with it is either having somebody popular like Patrick link to it and, and endorse it or to somehow find your way on a show with people who have a massive Internet following. And so it takes a lot of bravery to be that guy. Did you did you regret it immediately after you sent it or did you, you know, click? send or tweet or whatever and then be like oh what did i just do i I don't remember in all honesty like knowing me i'm probably gonna say yes (laughs) like i would have done it and been like oh that could have been a a stupid thing to do but i kind of just took it and went with it because i i wanted to have him as a guest on the show and i wasn't sure how you would approach such a thing like do you just mm-hmm. tweet at him or email him? Like, how do you do that? But I figured at least right. maybe if he listens to the show first, you know, then he might be interested. Not thinking that he ever would listen, let alone link to it. Um, it, it was quite, you know, it was awesome, really, that that it worked out for me. Um, I don't think necessarily that that's how people should do things, but you know, to take that exact... Um, that exact link and do that, you know. Don't don't just be like, oh yeah, this is this is what I'll do. I will uh, find somebody and I will just bug them with a link to my show. I don't necessarily think that that's how it works, but I think that there is a certain amount of if of kind of just being brave and enjoying what you do enough that you uh, you want to send it to somebody else, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and that I think comes from the idea of creating something that you're you're proud of, because if right. you're, you're proud of it, then you know maybe you're uh, you're more likely to talk about it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like if yeah, it does. And you 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 are more willing to want to share it because you're creating something that you're that you're really proud of. Right now, have you listened to old bro shows in the last three to six months by chance? They actually don't exist anymore, and that's for that reason. So, I the, the the show doesn't exist on the internet anymore because I canceled the hosting account, and I don't have any of those episodes anymore. Like I just let them go. Really? I, so you don't have an archive of them at all? No. So that's really wild. So just to to show 
either how self-obsessed or how much of a pack rat I am. Every time an ATP comes out, I actually download it and save it locally. So God forbid it's something happened where the internet just disappeared or Marco and John and I have a falling out and we take the show off the internet and I'm, and I can't talk to Marco about it and I can't talk to John about it. I want to have a record of all of this. And outside of when I'm editing it and listening to it to, or well, you know, assembling a list of things for Marco to edit, I should say, I don't ever listen to our shows again, but I don't want to lose it. I want to have that record. You know, it's like having an old family photo where maybe I look, you know, either really goofy or really silly, but I still want to have that photo as a record of how I was at that moment. But but you clearly didn't share that. Uh, I don't really worry about things like that or, or in all honesty, kind of care. Um, I'm very much of the, the the mindset that I just let, with all that stuff, I just let it go. Like I'm, I'm fine with it. Like, and there's also a part of it. Like, I don't, I don't think it's my best work. Um, well, and that's where I was going to go with that question: is how embarrassed are you by it now? And I can can't. you believe? Yeah, can you believe younger Mike would have sent something that I, I've never heard it? But I'm assuming you today, Mike, thinks it's terrible, and you sent that to Patrick Roan. That's that what time, you sent, it, right? At, yeah, at that time, I thought i was doing this really revolutionary thing right there was oh, two of, of us on the show no no this is uh, there was two of us on the show so i mixed the show <laughs> this is so embarrassing i mixed the show in such a way that i would be in the left channel of the stereo <laughs> and terry would be on the right channel so sure. well that's gonna be cool right because we'll be no, it, terrible just such a bad idea because when i have heard them like before i took those episodes offline because they they kind of they went offline um when we moved over to 5x5 because mm -hmm. they were always just on the hosting account that Command Space was attached to. I just I, I kept the feed the same, so I just started posting the Command Space episodes on that same feed. Mm -hmm. So they went offline at that point, and it was kind of just like I'd, I'd listened to them before, and I was like, I just don't. I have no desire to keep these around. Someone somewhere probably has a hard drive that has a few of those episodes on, but I'm very much the, the type of thing that I create with notable exceptions, I think that a lot of it is is not it's not throwawayable. I can't think of a better term than that. Ephemeral. I'll look at you. Um, but it's... I don't necessarily think that the, that the stuff that I create needs to be cherished and, like, kept by people. You know? Well, yeah, you'll you'll notice I didn't say that I think everyone else should have a copy of AT, of every ATP. Yeah, but you know, what if I what if I get asked by some future child one day, "Hey, Dad, do you remember when you were internet kind of but not really famous?" Yeah, yeah, of course I remember that. Well, how did you get there? Like, what did you do? Well, Timmy or Susie, let me show you. Let me grab some headphones. You know. Like, and that I think that's why that's why I want it. Or, you know, maybe yeah. for me to relive my glory days when I was sort of famous on the internet for five minutes. You know, because for all I know, ATP could end tomorrow. Um, so I, I want to have a way of remembering it. But with that said, I'll agree with you that most of our shows, most of ATP probably won't stand up to the test of time in the sense that most of what we talk about, I don't know if I'd describe it necessarily as news, but it's stuff that's timely. 
Now, there are exceptions. Like the, last week, we had a discussion about sexism, for example. And I would hope that if that doesn't stand the test of time, it's only because sexism isn't nearly the issue that it is today. But you know, that's an example of something or dealing with criticism on the Internet, which we did a while back. You know, that that's something that will probably stand the test of time. But most of the stuff, no, not at all. So let's talk a little about opportunity, opportunity knocking. Mm -hmm. Neutral became ATP, right? And the, the opportunity right. to do neutral, I guess, was where it started for you. Um, sure. And then ATP was how you decided to... to to go on from that but aside from these things has there been anything else that's happened to you maybe in recent years which you would consider as like an opportunity that you've taken that has changed the way that you the way the way that you think about the work that you do on the internet and the the way that that's perceived um that's a good question i think there are certainly things that i've done that have changed that have changed the path of my career. Um, I, I think just as a silly example, my very first job out of college slash university, depending on who you're talking to, um, mm -hmm. my very, very first job once I graduated, um, it, it was in the town of my university's arch rival. And so it, when you're, you know, what was I, 21, 22 years old, that sort of thing really mattered to you. And I contemplated for a brief moment not taking that job and that job I probably shouldn't have gotten because my grades in school were terrible but the the folks that hired me never asked for a transcript so it worked out well and that, that first job was a tremendous opportunity now it does not relate basically in any discernible way to me being a podcaster but nevertheless it made a, a tremendous difference on my life and and additionally I think Allowing myself to believe in myself enough to go to WWDC, especially early on when I had done basically zero iOS development. Now I've done a bit, but I mean, I was at best an amateur and at worst a noob at the time when I went in 2011. And allowing myself to, to, to have the confidence to go out there and kind of sort of act like I'm a big boy. Not to say I was being disingenuous, but, you know, it, the WWDC is a lot of unbelievably smart people there. And to believe in myself enough to be, to allow myself to be caught up in that crowd, that made a tremendous difference in ways that are more directly applicable to, to what we're doing right now. I don't know, what would you say for yourself? Um, moving up, like, I guess really kind of like moving up the guest ladder is was an important thing. So like, after Pat kind of looking at people that were in and around his circle that I could have on the show and then how that sort of like spiraled out like a sort of a circles of influence type thing to the point now where like with a few exceptions I've had every single person on command space that I ever could have wanted to mm -hmm. um, and in all honesty a few of the exceptions I'm still working on and have them booked over the next couple of months like there is kind of and it's gotten to the point now where I'm comfortable that if there's somebody that I haven't had on the show that I want on the show at some point in the future, they will be on it because history has proven to me that it's not outside the realm of possibility to um, discount the acts of kindness from people, you know, because every mm -hmm. time you're a guest on, on a show like this, you're just giving up your time. Um, you don't get anything out of it other than the conversation with me. Um, 
and you know maybe to have a conversation you can share with others like I don't know if people know this but like I'm not paying you for today right um, right you are giving away your time for free to, to be a part of this episode today hopefully because you want to do it because you find it interesting and I think that's what a lot of people do but so I think that's why I've been quite you know, I consider myself to be quite lucky, but that's that's a thing that's definitely happened for me. And taking the opportunities where I see them, um, learning when I think it's a good time to contact somebody, and just over time, just just building skills that have allowed me to take advantage of those opportunities. And then, of course, the biggest opportunity that's ever come my way, which was uh, joining Five by Five, and that that had that that move in March of two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, yeah, it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, was the it's has seen since that time to now has seen the biggest step change um in the success and popularity and, and of my shows basically the the way that the sort of the things bumped up after that this has changed a lot and the way that um the friends that i have now and the way that kind of like the things changed basically and it became a lot easier to book guests and um, things like that. When when that happened, the last year I've seen a massive change in that for me, and that was a huge opportunity. That that you know it was always going to be a risk because it was a complete change for me. You know, I went from running the show to being part of the show. In the essence, you know, I had right. my own podcast yep. network. I called the shots, um, and now now I have a, a great working relationship with Dan. Um, but it was always going to be a risk because it was no longer my my ship to steer anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I genuinely look back and feel like it was the right decision for me to make because of the, the door, basically the door sets opened in all honesty since um, have been fantastic and, and it continues to do so. Yeah, and actually I, I should refine my previous answer because in hearing you talk about it, it reminded me of I think another great opportunity once I got myself onto ATP was both the mobile couch and you asking me to be a guest on their podcast. And I think that rendered or afforded me a little bit of legitimacy that perhaps I hadn't yet earned. Yes, I'm on ATP with these two wildly, wildly successful and popular people, but you could, it could be argued that I was just that other guy. And when the mobile couch guys and when you, you they were the first two spots, uh, guest spots I did, asked me to be on your shows, that lends some amount of credibility to my own work specifically. Because now, yes, you know, it's sort of getting somebody from, from ATP on the show, but it, it ended up that, you know, in both shows, I was talking about me. And of course, we talk about Marco, we talk about John some, how can you not? But it was about me. And that lens, that lens gives me some credence that I don't think I would have had before. So actually, I would say that you were the purveyor of one of those opportunities for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm regretful. I didn't think of it until just now. It's an interesting thing when, when you start to get asked to do things, um, mm-hmm. the things that you had previously just enjoyed it's it's that's kind of like a a step change like you know when you get asked to be a guest on command space of course it's right. a big deal you know naturally but like you know in all seriousness like little things like being asked to submit your home screen to david sparks's website or sure absolutely you know being just being a guest on on a podcast or you know just little things like you know you're listening to a podcast and that you enjoy and your name gets mentioned 
Mm-hmm. Like there are those little sort of points where you can sort of plot out. I hope that I hope that this is interesting, Casey. To <laughs> I know, I know, me too. But it it may not be, and who knows? But you're absolutely right, and and it's just it's a wild thing, and it, and for me, I think I carry this internal baggage of, well, do people really care about me, or do they care about the fact that I'm part of ATP? Uh, said differently, do people ask me to to guest on stuff? Because they know Marco and John would say no, you know, and so I have that like baggage that that I carry, which is completely self-inflicted. But nevertheless, I, I every time I get asked, and especially as I get asked by, uh, I don't know if I should say bigger, but but shows that I think a lot of people listen to, like this, like Debug, for example, mm-hmm. uh, like IRL Talk. When I get asked to be on those shows. It makes me think, you know, hey, people may actually care for me or like me, and it may not be just that they couldn't get John and Marco on. Does that make sense? Yeah, like you are, uh, you have your own personality, you're, you are yeah. your own individual. Like it was like the, the name of the right. first episode that we did together, being your own person, because that was the thing that you had to come out, you had to come out of that yeah, yeah. monolithic shadow, like this huge shadow of these two really, really well established and very, very popular and beloved internet celebrities in our you know in our corner of the internet those guys take up those at the a-list you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and you had to and it was a big thing for you to have to come out behind that and be like hey hi everyone i'm casey (laughs) that's true it's true and it's it's wild and i'm getting better and better at it but i i still carry that baggage i still wonder you know how many people are listening to ATP despite me? And not and I don't suspect that many listen because of me. They listen because of John and some because of Marco. But you know, how many are listening despite me? And and as I do it more and more, I get more and more confident in myself. But it's it's hard. It's a it's something I struggle with. I think that's part of the reason why I hedge everything I ever say on the show is partially because I know I'll get a million emails and partially because I'm so scared that somebody's gonna think me an idiot. Now I want to talk a bit about hard work. But before sure. we do that, I want to take a quick break to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode. And that is the fine folks over at Squarespace. They are the all in one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TallyHo3. See what I did there, Casey? I do. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have absolutely fantastic, beautiful, stunning website templates that you can get started with. And they have tons of style options that you can adjust so you can really create and craft your own space online. So if you want to change the way the the spacing works on the site, you know, maybe you want the the like where the body of your articles or your blog posts to be wider or shorter, where you can just drag and drop some sliders to make that happen. Maybe you want to change the colors, you want to change the way the header looks, you want to add an image in as the header, you can do all of that. You want to change the fonts, you can do all of that too. And you don't need to do that by digging into code. These are all options that you can get in the in the little tools that they have. And it makes it very, very simple to do. And it's all WYSIWYG. So basically as you're making these changes, you see how they're going to update your website in real time and then when you're done with them you save them and you push them to your site it's for me the way to i always love to do these kinds of things i don't know how to code i don't know anything about html css you know past what you learn while trying to make a myspace profile in 2002 or something so squarespace (laughs) gives me all of the really really powerful tools that i need to create a website and every website that, that i've had in maybe the last five years i've made with squarespace because they're the, to me, Squarespace is how I make a website. 
Everything on Squarespace's platform is drag and drop, so it's really easy to add content from your desktop. You can even rearrange elements of content within the page. You see it all live updating in front of you. All Squarespace websites have their own unique mobile designs. It's going to look fantastic whether people are looking on a desktop computer, a tablet, or a phone. You can easily connect your favorite web and social services like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and so many more. So you can have content coming in from those sites and you can push stuff out too. And don't forget about Squarespace Commerce, which is their e-commerce platform, allowing you to set up a shop and sell things online in just a few minutes. Squarespace has over 70 dedicated employees in their customer care team. Their system's really easy to use, Squarespace. It, it, I find it a breeze, but if you have any help, if you need any help, sorry, and you, you want to get any answers to any questions you might have, well, they have their employees, they're ready, they're based in New York City, and they are available for live chat during the week. They have super fast email support throughout the day and night, and they're really active on Twitter too as a support channel. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to do this, and if you decide to sign up, it starts at just $8 a month, and this includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year or more. Make sure that you get 10% off your first purchase over at Squarespace and support this show by using the offer code TALLYHO3. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number three. I want to thank Squarespace so much for their support of 5x5 and all of Command Space. Marco will be proud of you. Fast and easy, right? Fast and easy. So we've spoken a little bit about the pressures that that you will have been under if you are a regular human being um, about joining ATP, right? Mm, Creating mm -hmm. a technology podcast with two famed technology podcasters. But more than that now, I think it would be fair to say that ATP has become one of the most popular and beloved podcasts on the internet. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that's overblowing it a bit. No, I don't but think perhaps, so. Perhaps in our little circle, yes. When I say, well, in my document, I have internet in, in scare quotes because <laughs> I basically, whenever I refer to it as internet, I mean like our internet, you know, the okay. bit that we mm -hmm. like, that's our okay. bit and that nobody yeah, that else may be fair. So you're like the unknown guy amongst the beloved sandwich. It's basically <laughs> that. yes. How have, like how hard has it actually been to to work through that to a point where you're now a peer and one of the person who people sorry who drives the show because when I listen to ATP, my fear feelings are like the way that that, that I uh, perceive the show as I'm listening is you are driving it like as in you are moving people along you're changing topics whether I don't know if Marco and John agree with this but that's the way that I feel the show moving is that you are driving it and, and i wonder how it feels to drive the show knowing like the weight that you're pulling behind you you know it's funny you say it and phrase it that way i would agree that to some to some measure i'm the show runner uh in that i keep us moving like you said keep us on topic um but i i think some of that is a is a bit of a cop-out on my part because it's much easier to move the those guys along than it is to go on a monologue of my own. I and I call and, foul. And, That's so you are completely underselling. <laughs> I, it is, but it's really what I think because it's scary to put a monologue on the internet and have tens of thousands of people listen to it. And so it's something I've struggled with is you know speaking up during the show and making my opinion known. And I would argue that it's easier to steer the ship than it is to paddle and propel it forward. Did that, did that make any sense at all? 
I whether or not you agree with me. I understand what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree. Obviously, I, I know that it's difficult to, to talk, you know, to have an idea mm-hmm. that you're forming in your brain and the words come out of your mouth to support that idea. That is right, right. very difficult. But to keep a show on topic is, is also very difficult. It, because it can be. You have no idea where the other two are going to go. No. And, and the other interesting thing is, you know, as with your shows, as far as I know, you know, we don't have any video. And so the only thing that we really have to communicate is what we're saying. And in the case of ATP, we're doing it live. So and what, what, what I mean by that is, you know, we're also simultaneously broadcasting across the Internet. So obviously we'll trip up and we'll laugh and we'll, we'll, we'll stumble sometimes. But generally speaking – we try our hardest not to cut anything from the final recording. So we're doing all of this in front of a lot of people eventually, but also in front of a few hundred, I think, as it's happening. And so we don't have any way to like raise our hands to so, I, so we know who has something interesting to say next. We don't have any way for us to quickly take a vote or you know do some sort of hand gesture that indicates, all right, let's just freaking move on. And so it, I, I've never played an instrument other than the, other than the stereo, which I play very well. But I kind of feel like it's what it would be like to be in a band. And so you just know, I would, I would imagine, when the guitar solo is about to end and you just know that the next thing that's coming is the drum solo and not the bass solo. And as we've gotten, as we've been doing this longer and longer, we get more in tune with each other. And occasionally, you know, we'll try to fire out a message in the Skype chat window or something like that saying, hey, let's do a sponsor or whatever the case may be. But generally speaking, it's on us and to some degree me to read read between the lines and to know my co-hosts and know when the right moment is. And sometimes I get it wrong and sometimes I get it right. And I'm not the only one that does it. You know, sometimes Marco will move us along. Sometimes John will move us along. But oftentimes it's me that's trying to quarterback the whole thing. And I don't know, I guess when I, when I say it that way, it sounds kind of difficult, but I don't feel like it's that difficult. I have much more, I, I'm very confident doing that, but less confident making a monologue like the one I just did, you know? You, that was, I liked what you said, especially about the band aspect of it. Like, mm-hmm. because it is kind of like that. There is a rhythm that's happening. Yeah, um, exactly. And you have to keep in tune of everybody else. You can't go off and start playing the software methodologies drum unless everybody <laughs> is along for the ride, you know? Right, exactly. So, I mean, do you find, as a listener, as a loyal listener of the prompt, I feel like to some degree you're kind of the showrunner as well, but how do you feel about it? Um, it's an interesting one with the prompt, actually. The prompt is, is kind of different. I kind of have to do all of the responsible things. <laughs> so, like, if there is... So, I obviously do the sponsors, right? Um, I introduce a bunch of the topics, and I'm kind of, like, a lot of the time left to make it maybe decisions about things. Um, Stephen does a really good job, actually, of of the production of the show in, in the, the way that he actually puts together a lot of the the document beforehand and the document that we run from. Um, but I, I I believe, I mean, we, we haven't really spoken about this in full, that the guys trust my decision in the way that the show occurs as it's occurring. So I, I'm going to use the word. I'm like the podcast director. 
I've just right, coined right. that now. I am now a podcast director. Thank you. Change everyone. your Twitter bio. Quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. So it's like I, I do believe that there is an element that I, I like to think that where those guys are really good at what they do and they're, they're really good at coming up with great ideas and thinking through things, I think that they appreciate the experience that I have of how to run a podcast and allow me to make decisions as the show is occurring about the way that it, it happens. Um, right. The actual creation of the document and the, what we're going to talk about is a very collaborative process. It's sometimes, you know, there are fights about it as there would be, you know, someone wants to talk about <laughs> such and such thing, someone wants to talk about another thing and we have to discuss and work out what we think is the right topics for the show that week. Um but yeah, like as I said, like the responsible things, right? So I could obviously collect everything as we're going and, and I'm like constantly collecting links as we're talking. So we have links in our document, but I like to pull in show notes for things that are being discussed. So I'm doing that as we're recording and I do it for all of my shows that way. It's just a thing that I'm able to do now. I'm able to Google as I'm talking and find a link and throw it into the show notes. Um, and like making sure that the show keeps to a time as well. I mean, we all do that, but I try and make sure that we're on track with that. But more than just the prompt, uh, I I do this for six shows a week. Like, I have six shows um, that I produce, prep, host, and promote. Like, it's a lot of work. Like, that's that's my hard work, is showing up four nights a week to do this thing. You know, I, I record two to three nights a week, Um and I have recorded for like three nights a week for maybe three years, you know, because I kind of grew the amount of shows that I did very, very quickly. Um, I've kind of and I've kind of like built talents up for myself, but that comes from a ridiculous amount of hard work. Like with all of these things, and you guys are amazing at this as well, because it, people don't estimate how hard it's going to be to put a show out every week. Like you have to put a show out every week. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, and and we have sponsors that are yep. that that we're we've committed to on this Friday your spot will run. And to be honest, a lot of the time I would say it probably doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things if it's this Friday or next Friday. But there have been times for sure, like with conferences, for example, that if it doesn't run that Friday, there's a problem. You know, we we've done something very wrong. And I think the that one thing that ATP has done very well so far is that we've accommodated having one show come out on Friday with all three of us every single week since we started. Now that's made for some ugly recording weeks, like especially around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. We had, I think we recorded something to the order of five shows in the span of one actual week. And I'm probably exaggerating, but it was a lot, whatever it was. I think it was three, whatever, whatever it was, it was a lot. And we did that because we really don't want to, if we can avoid it anyway, we don't want to have a show that doesn't have the three of us because it's just, if for ATP anyway, it, I just don't think it would be the same show. And oh, the I prompt, know. I think it mostly is the same, same show. I prefer it with all three of you guys, but yeah. you know, mostly it's the same. Maybe you'll talk about video games more with Vitici uh -huh. than you would with just you and Steven, but by and large, it's the same stuff. Yeah, like the interesting Whereas, thing with the prompt is I have two co-hosts that have things that happen in their lives, which mean that at a moment's notice, they need to pull out. Like, for example, the right. episode of the prompt that we're going to be recording today, something happened with Steven yesterday, which means that he can't be on the show. And it's got, But it's also kind of like the blessing of that show is that we're able to accommodate that. Um, mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it, if it was just me and Steven or just me and Federico, it makes it 
a bit trickier to be able to do that. Sure. Uh, yeah, and so so ATP has worked really hard to to make that consistent. Exactly. Now, and that, that's mean, why I appreciate the amount of work that you guys put in. That you're able to all three of you there every single week for how long? How many episodes? Uh, what are we up to? Almost sixty now, I yeah, think. Over Something a like year, that. and over a year, you've had an episode every single Friday, and there's been all three of you on it. That, that's a. I don't think people can appreciate how difficult that is until they have a podcast of their own. <laughs> no, and it's funny because you know you would think that it's just an hour or two talking to each other, talking to your friends on Skype, and on the surface it is, and that's wonderful fun and very sort of easy. But in the case of ATP, you know, Marco and I share the editing duties, and by that I mean uh, Marco will do the technical editing in that he splices all the tracks together, he lines them all up, he cuts anything that's obviously just completely wrong. But as I think I described on the last command space, you know, then it comes to me as a draft. I do a listen at 1x and I lit with the volume probably a little too loud and I try to take out all the cases of my wrist popping or I shouldn't say take out. I take note of all the cases that my wrist has popped or somebody adjusted in their chair or somebody set down a glass too much. And so I listen to all of that and assemble all these notes, which I then throw over the wall to Marco and Marco makes all those edits or as many as he possibly can. Well, the reason I bring all this up is well, you know, I have a day job. And so for me to record on a Wednesday night, it takes me usually all day Thursday by the time Marco has given me the draft to actually listen to it. Because even though it's only two hours, I have to do work. And oftentimes that involves talking to people and I can't be editing the show and talking to people at the same time. So by the end of the day Thursday, I've given Marco the draft and then it's up to him to make all those changes and build show notes, although I've occasionally helped him with that, but make all those changes and upload them and get them ready to go for Friday. And if you do anything to upset that schedule, it's hard for Marco and I to get it to get it all in. In fact, I'm traveling tomorrow to this conference I was speaking about earlier, and I'm not really sure when I'm going to do the edit. I'll find the time. I'll make the time, but it's going to be hard. <laughs> exactly. But it's hard. It, it, it's, I guess, I don't know, on the one side, maybe I sound like a complete whiner and I don't mean to, I'm, I'm uh, very lucky, but it, but it is work. It's a lot more work than you'd think. It's easily four hours of work, just the two hours to record and two hours to do my edit. And, and that's four hours a week on top of a 40 to 45 hour week that I'm working at my real job. So it's, it's work. I mean, I, I threw that little, you know, I was kind of pulling your leg like you better. But that's the thing though, right? And all of this is to say like once you are able to get yourself to a point where, where people enjoy the thing that you make, you then have to keep it up. And that's the hard part. Yeah. It's, it's a responsibility. Now it's one I welcome yeah. and I'm very thankful for, that's but a it's a responsibility. Word. Responsibility is a great word. You at that point have a responsibility. And I actually consider the responsibility – and this is not to say that you don't. I consider the responsibility to my listeners expecting it in their commute more than I consider the responsibility of my sponsors. I can move the sponsors. I can double them up for next week. They're going to get what they get. And, and you know, if, if it means that we have to, to, to give them a, a better deal than the one that we originally arranged, then fine. You know, cause things happen. And sometimes you have to do that. But I'm more concerned about Bob Smith who listens to Command Space and the prompt on his way to work on Thursday and on his way back up from work on Thursday evening. As a fan of podcasts, I know how important it is to have your shows when you want your shows. And you become in tune to the schedules that we set. 
Like for me, I was talking to you a couple of days ago about how I listen to ATP every Friday when I leave work. And that's my... I expect to have ATP to listen to on Fridays at five o'clock. And a lot of the time it arrives at my five o'clock. So it's mm-hmm. ready for me for as I'm leaving work. It's important to me because it's the show that I've set that commute to because I enjoy it. I look forward to the show and I set it. And once you as a creator get in tune to that expectational debt that you have with somebody, it's kind of hard to shake. And, and all of this, like this whole conversation that we've been having so far is kind of like, I, the reason that I wanted to talk to you about it, Casey, is, is that I know that you would be as open and honest with this stuff as I am, especially because we're, as I mentioned, like a similar place with these things, is because people ask me these questions all the time, you know, about how they can make their thing a success. And, and all of I just want to kind of show people what it takes to, to keep doing this stuff every week and kind of the things that you have to choose. Because I think a lot of the people that listen to Command Space want to make their thing online and want it to be famous and, and loved by people and for it to make them some money and then hopefully one day become their job. And I think that that's a very similar want for the, the people that listen to the show. So I kind of wanted to give them an insight into that. Now, we're going to talk about two more things. So I have two more headings. Why anyone can do this, but why me and you can do this. Does that sound fair? <laughs> yep. But before that, before that, I want to take a break to thank um, our second sponsor for this week's episode. And that is the fine folks over at New Relic. New Relic are back to sponsor the show again. Let me tell you about them. If you've got a web or mobile application, well, you need to know about New Relic. New Relic is a developer's best friend because of its easy-to-use analytics dashboard that gives developers powerful code-level visibility into the real-time performance of their applications. What this means is that you can spot bugs, see bottlenecks, and fix problems fast before they ever affect your users. Thanks to New Relic, you no longer have to ship an app to production and then helplessly wait around hoping for the best until negative app reviews and tweets start to pour in. New Relic empowers software engineers by showing them what's working and what isn't all in real time. The way that New Relic works is very straightforward. They give, you, they give developers a lightweight agent that you unpackage into your production-level applications. That agent sits quietly and securely in the background, gathering real-time metrics across geographies, devices, platforms, and all the way down to the end-user level, and then displays all that data in beautiful real-time graphs so that coders have total visibility into the performance of their web and mobile applications. So, I want you to go and check out New Relic by visiting newrelic.com forward slash command space that's all spelled out so newrelic.com forward slash c-o-m-m-a-n-d-s-p-a-c-e this is where you're going to learn more and you want to use the offer code command space cmd plus s-p-a-c-e which is the name of the show to take advantage of the special 30-day extended free pro trial available exclusively to all listeners of command space so that's newrelic.com forward slash c-o-m-m-a-n-d-s-p-a-c-e and you want to use the code cmd plus S-P-A-C-E, to get yourself that extended free trial. You can build better performing apps, get deeper insights, spot bottlenecks quickly, and improve performance with New Relic. Thank you so much, New Relic, for supporting the show. And if you want to get those codes, go to the show notes page, 5x5.tv slash C-M-D-S-P-A-C-E. You'll find all the information that you need. So, Casey, I think it's fair to say that both me and you are normal guys. We came from where we came from and make something that people enjoy. 
Um, we didn't have um, neither me or yourself have ever uh, written a successful application. Obviously, you know, let's not let's not discount fast text, of course. Um, <laughs> we, I mean, I haven't been writing OS ten reviews for ten years. Um, right, I don't have right. a popular blog that is uh, run out of a beautiful town in Italy. Um, you know, I don't have a tattoo of a dog cow on, on my leg. <laughs> like, I, I think it's fair to say that we both um, have sort of come from being fans of this stuff and have found our way into it. Um, and that that is the key thing why I think that actually anybody can do this. If I did this and you did this, there is an opportunity for anyone to get into something like this because they come from the same place as us. They become as fans of ATP, fans of Command Space, fans of the prompt. They want to make their own show, so they go out and do it, right? Yeah, That's the idea, can. right? Anyone can actually start the process, and but you need to be prepared to work hard to do it, or you want your own blog because you're a fan of Daring Fireball, you're a fan of Marco.org. Well, you just start writing, right? And you have to keep it up, and you have to work hard, and you have to keep it up, and keep it up, and keep it up, and keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's... It's weird because I, I was never formally trained in anything like this. I never even informally got trained in anything. Yet, somehow or another, both you and I are making this work. And and just recently, I had mentioned on Twitter that I remember vividly, to this day, sitting in the chat room, the 5x5 chat room, when Hypercritical and Build and Analyze were being recorded. And I remember just my whole body like getting... Uh, butterflies all over, not just in my stomach, but everywhere when Marco would occasionally mention my name because I'd said something in the chat. And I know Marco, you know, and he knew it was me. Um, but nevertheless, just the thrill I got from that, from being even a part of a part of the show insofar as having my name mentioned, I was so thrilling. And now I am the show, or third of it anyway. It, it's wild that it was just a few years ago that I was a jackal just like everyone else. So it, to your point, it really – it could be anyone. I mean all you have to do is get yourself a halfway decent microphone, which admittedly is somewhat expensive. I mean I don't remember how much I paid for this road podcaster I'm talking to you through, but it was probably a couple hundred bucks. But you get yourself a halfway decent microphone and some patience and some time – and really, on paper anyway, there's no reason why it couldn't work for you, just like it worked for us. And I think that it's fair to say that we both feel like we have a lot of room to grow as well. Like, I don't oh, yeah. consider myself as popular, talented, or beloved as my friends, colleagues, and co-hosts. Oh, goodness, um, no, I, I agree. And, and like, so, I mean, about myself. Yeah, I, it's okay. You can say that about me, too. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's fine. People, people love Tichi, right? You know, I get that. And uh, you well, know, it's I, that accent. Yeah, that it's accent, that accent is killer. I mean, yours is great. But thank you. God, his is killer. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, there are people in the world that love Casey List more than they love me for some reason, but it's true. It's true. And but and I, but I love Casey List more than I love me. So. <laughs> um, well, I certainly love you a lot more than I love me, and if no, for no other reason than your accent is a crap load better than mine, I'll yeah, always so. begrudge you for that. So I think it's it's fair to say like that anybody can do this, but. I think it would it would it would not be uh, balanced for us to leave this um, love fest of of our own talents without talking about <laughs> why me and you have been able to do it. They're like, what do you consider, Casey, 
irrespective of the fact that you have had some high-powered friends in some high places, what do you think that is different about you that has allowed you to do the things that you do? That's a very good question. Um, I think part of it is me having the guts to say to Marco, we should do a show together. Because granted, Marco's a friend of mine. And granted, if anyone would be more tolerant of such a ridiculous idea, it would be someone like Marco, who I've known for quite a long time. But I noodled him constantly. We should do a car show. We should do a car show. We should do a car show. And I had no reason to believe that I would be good at it. And yet I noodled him. Him, needled him, whatever. Constantly, I, I kept pestering him. You know, I always say noodle instead of needle. Yeah, I don't know why. Anyway, needle, point buddy. Is, anyway, I, I pestered him constantly about it. Um, and finally, I, I don't know, you could say he caved, he agreed, whatever happened. Um, but one way or another, I had enough self-confidence to believe, if you know what, I'll just figure it out. I'll figure it out as I go. Now, on the other side of the coin, I don't know if I would have been as comfortable or as confident if he had said, let's you, me and John do a tech podcast without like if neutral had never existed. Or I don't know that I would have had the confidence to say to him, hey, let's not do a car show. Let's do a tech show because we can do it and I can handle it. And so in that sense, I don't know that many other people would be that brave. Additionally, as, as even though in the one breath, I'll tell you, it's easier to steer the ship than it is to, you know, try to push it forward. Nevertheless, it takes some amounts of self-confidence or, and or self-loathing to, <laughs> to have the, uh, to have, have the gumption to, to go ahead and talk in, in such a public place and such a public to, to so many people. And it, it takes a lot to have, to be comfortable enough with yourself to take that criticism, which, which I get a lot of and, and all of us inevitably get, and roll with it and try to learn from it rather than just crawl into a hole and, and die because you're so embarrassed of, the, of saying noodle instead of needle. I mean, what, what do you think makes you uniquely positioned to, to be, to some degree, the voice of 5x5 five five now? Oh, you're too kind for saying that, but thank you. Um, when I care about something... Like, no matter what it is, I'm incredibly driven by it. Yeah. It, it can be anything in my life. If I don't care about something, then I will do an okay job at it. If I have to do something and I don't really care about it, I'll do it because it's the kind of guy that I am. But it won't be amazing. When I care about something, I will put everything that I can into it to make it what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And that means having two jobs for the last four years, you know, where I'm tired all the time, you know, working really hard and feeling like I'm never fully satisfied with it. But that's kind of the drive that that I have that allows me to continue working every day doing this thing because I genuinely believe that that I will be able to make a living from this soon. Um, And that it will then, and, and when I do it, it will become my career because I, can't see why I would stop. Um, and and I think that that's, that drive is also a key thing for why if people think my shows are good, that's that's why. Because I make sure I find the time um, on my lunch break to write the outline for this show um, or to be up until two in the morning editing the prompt before going to work the next day. Like that, These are the considerations that I make in my life because I'm driven to, to what I do. And I think that's 
that the extra that I do because when you know anyone could do this, anyone could have a podcast, but I think that it does take an extra thing to have six and a full time job. Like I, I feel yeah. like that's an extra thing that not everybody has, but you don't have to have that. I don't think that to be to be Mike Hurley, you need to do things the way that I do things. It's just the way that I choose to do them. Well, and you're making choices. You're making choices that you're going to go to your everyday job tired and maybe not do the best job there. And because you're tired at your day job and you've exerted yourself trying to make up for that fact, now you may not do the best job that, or as good a job as you want on your shows. And so it's, it's, it's making choices, just like you said. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's being willing, especially when you have an international show like, like you do. I mean, for us, it's very easy. We're all in the same time zone. For you, you guys, I mean, how far is Steven and Vitici apart? Like eight I, hours, something like that? I actually don't know, but it's many hours. Right. So it, it's, it's a sacrifice. It's you being up late, just recording, let alone doing the edit immediately because you guys are crazy and get the show out immediately. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's a sacrifice. And it does take a lot of dedication. And I think maybe that's what I would say – in, in summary, at least for me and probably for you, is that it takes dedication. It takes real honest-to-goodness, heart, bones, brain, just dedication through and through to doing this job and doing it as best as you possibly can. To not skimp, to not skip, to not take the easy road, but to do it and do it well. And in the end of the day, there are many things I've said on ATP there's been things I've said in this show right now, like uh, Noodle, for example, that I wish I could take back and I wish I could, hadn't said that. But in the end of the day, I'm proud of the conversation we just had and I'm proud of the work I've done on ATP. And as long as I can look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what, you tried really, really hard and you put it all out there, I, I can't expect much more of myself. Some people like it, some people won't, but as I, in the end of the day, I'm proud of what I've done and I'm proud of what I put out there. Casey Liss, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully that didn't come across as an hour long or whatever humble brag from either of us. But. I don't know how people will take it. I just know that I wanted to try something a little bit different on this episode. You know, and this is part part of exactly what I've been talking about. Like I'm thinking about what's the future of this show and I'm, I have a really grand plan um, and I want to try out some new things um, as we approach 100 episodes um, because you know I have a direction I want to take the show It's I'm not saying that it will be an episode like this every week but I have some new stuff that I want to try out um, and I, I want there to, to maybe be a little bit more conversation on the show rather than just interview um, and, and you know so what I'm seeing and I hope that people have found this interesting and the reason that I picked you and picked this topic as I mentioned is because I do honestly believe that there is a big overlap between people that enjoy this show and people that want to either have their own show or have their own blog and everything that we said we, we've been talking about the fact that me and Casey have podcasts but you could take anything and just replace the word podcast with blog and talk with write and it would I mean, I would hazard a guess that it would probably that advice would serve you well if you're willing, if you know, if you're willing and, and want to, to, to take it. I guess. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Casey, for joining me. Um, people, I know that you can find you on Twitter. You're Casey Liss, C A S E Y L. Hang on, C A S E Y L I S S. Well, that's Casey Liss. Um, and that if is. you want to to find Casey's incredible podcast, of which he is one third, and it's honest, honest, and honestly and genuinely my favorite show on the internet, it's the Accidental Tech Podcast, and that's ATP.fm. And who are you again? 
uh, to some guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I'm I'm Mike I M Y K E on Twitter, and I host um, many shows on Five by Five. And you go to Five by Five TV, click on a random show, and you know you've got a good chance that my voice will be on it. Um, the voice of Five by Five. Thank you so much, Casey, for joining me. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week with another fantastic episode of your favorite Command Space program. Until then, bye bye. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.